The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. He said, freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe, others will know that I live. Good morning, church. Peace be upon all of you. May the peace of Christ rest upon each of you this day. There are many among us and throughout all of this country that are sick with the flu. May the peace of Christ be with you and your family. And to the Wolf family and um, to Rosemary. And the loss, not only to her, but to this church family of Bill Wolf and his passing this week. May the peace of Christ be with you. And to Valerie Sisk and her family at the passing of her brother Joey this week. May the peace of Christ be with you. And it's appropriate to say this, and I know this church family has and will continue to do this to rally around them. Those who are sick, those who are mourning, those who are grieving the loss of life. We pray the peace of Christ on you and you'll share that peace with others. We've been in a sermon series in the month of January to kick off the new year around gather, grow, go. And our vision for this church is that we are a fellowship of Christ followers who are being transformed into the image of God and filling our community with the presence of Christ so that many will find their way back to God. And the ways that we do this is through three G's, gather, grow, go, that we gather together around the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that we grow into his image, and that we go share his love. Today, we want to talk about the third G, go. And our text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, up to 10. Uh, sorry, up to, uh, up to 8. The word of the Lord says this. Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the twelve apostles. First, there's Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any, any, any town of the Samaritans. R- go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Let's pray. Father, for your word, we give you thanks, and today we pray for ears to hear and hearts to follow. 
And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. In the name of your word to us, Jesus Christ, amen. I first heard that song, that old hymn, Freely, Freely You Have Received, not in church. I was in Uganda, and I was an intern, a missionary intern, and a friend and mentor of mine, Mark Moore, was showing us around the town of Jinja, the place where my family, we ended up going and serving as missionaries for six years. And he was giving us a tour of this town and showing us all the different needs and all the things about culture and things about life in Uganda. And at the end, he made this appeal to us. He called us at the beginning of internship. He called us and he commissioned us and sent us. And he finished with this song. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe, others will know that I live. That was a powerful moment for me. Some of you may come out of church and that was a stuffy song for you, but for me, that was a song that I heard Mark Moore walk through town and walk through the village humming and singing, freely, freely you have received, as he went and he ministered and loved people. At that moment, I felt called, and I felt sent. And every time I think of that song, I feel reminded of those things. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls his disciples. And it's interesting because he He names them off. He names off the 12, which are representative of Israel. And it's interesting, some of those names and who he calls and where he calls them from. You have Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew was a Jewish person, but he basically had betrayed his own people and he'd gone to the other side. If there was anything that was worse in the first century in Israel was to, for a Jewish person to go work for the Roman occupiers. There was nothing worse than to betray your own people, to actually oppose God. He was greedy. He was corrupt. He mistreated people. He stole from them. He was selfish. Everything about his life was opposed to God and God's people. And God called him from that. Then on the opposite end, you have Simon the Zealot. And that word zealot means that he was zealous for the law. In fact, he was probably some kind of revolutionary. That he thought, we can usher in the reign of God into the world if we just keep the law and keep the law and keep the law. And so probably what he was, he was pretty harsh to those around him who didn't follow the law. And he was probably violent to those who actually opposed it. He probably lived by this saying, if I can just be good enough, the reign of God will come in. Or, God helps those who help themselves. So let's get this right. And he thought, maybe the only way to keep us safe from evil was to be a legalist about the law. 
Then you have Bartholomew and Thaddeus, who we know nothing about, really. There's plenty of names on here that we don't know. It seems they don't even have really a story to tell. But just like Matthew and just like Simon the Zealot, Jesus calls them. And I can't help but thinking, reading through those names and thinking through those stories and thinking about those of us that are sitting in this room, that some of us were Matthew. That every part of your life was opposed to God and his people. You were selfish. You were living in ways that were destructive, that were greedy, that were corrupt. And God called you. And then there are some of us that were more like Simon the Zealot. That we were legalists about God's word and God's law. And perhaps maybe what we did was we thought, man, if we could just get this right. God helps those who help themselves. And so we remember when we were really harsh against people that, that in a ways that manipulated them to, to do something we wanted them to do. Or maybe violent, verbally abusive to those who didn't follow God's law. Maybe we thought if we can just control enough things, we can usher in God's blessing and safety from the world. And God called you too. Or maybe there were some of you that were like Bartholomew and Thaddeus. And you thought, there's nothing really special about me. Maybe you were called from self-doubt and insecurity. Maybe you said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. God called you anyway. Or maybe you feel like, there's no story to tell here. I was born in a pew. I've been raised in the church all my life. There's no story like Matthew or like like uh, Simon the Zealot, there's no story to tell. And I want to say to you that God has been calling you, in that case, he's been calling you ever since you were born through the life of God's people. If you are here today, it is because God has called you. And that is a gift Matthew does not have the same calling narrative that Mark does. It's interesting, the two stories are different, the two gospels are different. Because in Mark, God calls the disciples together, in this sense, like when he calls the, the twelve of the disciples together. He calls them in chapter 3, and then it's not until three chapters later that he sends them. But Matthew's different. Matthew combines the two. He combines the calling story with the sent story. So he gathers his disciples together, and he calls them together, and immediately he sends them. So this is what that means. This is what I take away from Matthew. That in Matthew, to be called by Jesus to be his disciple, to be called by, into his grace, to be called into his salvation, to be called to Christ is to be sent at the very same time. Are you hearing that? If you are called today to Jesus Christ, you are not only called, you are sent. 
There is no calling without ascending. You're not a disciple. You're not called to be a disciple if you're not also sent. And this is the first time Matthew's gospel he introduces the word apostle. Because that word apostle we get from the Greek apostolos, which literally means one who is sent. That's what that means. To be called as a disciple of Jesus is to also be sent to be an apostle. You're like, wait a minute, man, I'm not an apostle. What you don't understand is that in church history, throughout the life of the church, the church has affirmed that not only did they come from the teachings of Jesus and from the apostles, but they also considered one of the ways they described the church is apostolic. In fact, we don't say this, but some of the creeds, we don't do the creeds, but the creeds say one holy apostolic church. I think we should refer to the church as apostolic because the church is. Because if you are called by God into this body, into this community, if you are called to be a member of the church, it is an apostolic church. It is a sent church. Otherwise, this is not a church if it's not apostolic. You are called, and you are sent. And he says this, these are the people who you are sent to, whom you are sent to. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter any other town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. And that's strange to us, because Jesus actually in Matthew mentions going to Gentiles. He actually quotes Isaiah at the beginning where it's the light, where he talks about being a light to the Gentiles. And then by the time you get to the end of Matthew's gospel, he has the great commission, which Phil read earlier, is to go and make disciples of all nations. So it's kind of odd that he says, don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the Jewish people. One reason that might be is because if you're a Jewish person and any respectable Jew would look, if any movement first went and included Gentiles, any respectable Jew would not take notice. They would say, that's not what God's doing. In fact, you see this later on in the book of Acts and in Paul, that he would go to the synagogue first, then he would move on to the Gentiles. It's probably more, perhaps as much sociological as it is theological, that the Jews would look and go, uh, we're not going to pay attention to this. You're going to Gentiles. But he says, go to the Jews first. But another way to actually maybe look at this, and what's helpful maybe for us today, is that if you go back to chapter 9 in Matthew, just a few verses earlier, to 35 and 36, it says this, Jesus went throughout all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder when he says, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. 
He's just talked about lost sheep, sheep harassed and helpless. And maybe for us, the call that we're called and that we're sent is to people who are harassed and helpless. And says, goes to those people. And he says, this is what you're to say to them. Proclaim. Proclaim the good news of God. Proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. Which, another way of saying that is to say, God has shown up in the world. God reigns. Everything has changed. My students, some are sitting in here today, they probably get sick of me hearing this, is that usually when we think of the gospel, we think of the the, the phrase that often comes up that Jesus died for our sins. That is true. Jesus did die for your sin. But what I always tell my students is if that's, if that's the gospel that you know, if that's the gospel, you, the only gospel you proclaim, your gospel is way too small. He did come to die for your sins. But not just for your sins. When Jesus shows up, Everything changes because when Jesus shows up, the reign of God enters the world. And everything changes. But he says, don't just go and preach. He then says, also go and demonstrate it. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. This is what the reign of God looks like. In fact, these are signs of the kingdom of God. They said, when God shows up, here's what happens. This is what the world looks like when God shows up in the world. The dead are raised. The sick are healed. The demons are driven out. The lepers are cured. But I also realize we look at this text and we think, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I wish I could lay hands and, and heal. I wish I had that gift. I would have raised the dead. What I wouldn't give to raise the dead. I've touched a leper, actually. You've heard me tell that story. If you don't remember it, I'll probably tell it again. Just act like... When I preach that again, just act like you haven't heard it before. But I didn't cure the leper. And I actually remember being in Uganda, and I don't know how to explain it. Ugandan says this woman that we knew very, she was demon-possessed, and she talked weird, and it was I didn't know how to explain it other than, yes, she was possessed. And I, we all prayed over her, and I prayed over her. And as far as I could tell, the demon never came out. Just didn't happen. So the question I have is, how do we go about demonstrating the kingdom? Because I can't do any of those things. I have a friend named Fred Ligon, who's a minister at the Williams, in Williamsburg, Virginia. And Fred works in part of the, the community in Williamsburg. There is, 
there's oddly enough, he discovered in his first year, there was a large amount of homeless people. Williamsburg is actually a tourist destination. And he, I think he discovered, if I remember him talking about it, he went to, in his first year, we'd go to community meetings, and they would talk about tourism, and they would talk about uh, ways to improve their community. Maybe it was the, the Chamber of Commerce meeting or something like this. And at one meeting, they started talking about homeless people and what to do about them. Because when people would come from outside and, and tourists to see all these homeless people, it might ruin the tourist economy. So I kind of took note, and he went, really? There's homeless people here. And he started walking with people that are in homelessness. And he says, when you're homeless, when you've got a home, you, you, you live, typically people live somewhat responsibly and sustainably. Once homelessness enters, you go into survival mode. And you tend to have th one of three reactions. You either fight, flight, or you freeze up. It's very, very difficult to remain responsible and sustainable because you just think differently. And he says he walked with this one homeless man for a while, actually helped him get off the street, and they, he gave him a journal, and they began putting things in the journal like, hey, here's here you need to go see, and and here's what you need to do, and can we help you do this, and we help you do that. And he says, one evening as their relationship grew, Fred said that he was talking to this particular man, and he said, he invited him, say, can we go, can we take this journey together to the next level? In fact, he kind of moved from one phase to another right, and the relationships that he has with, with people in, in homelessness. He says, can we, can we take this to the next level? And one where he was asking for permission to walk even closer with him, not just advice on occasion, but to walk closer with him. And then he says, the man said something that broke his heart. The homeless man asked, why would you want to take the time to walk with me? And Fred says, because I've grown to care for you, man. You're my friend. And he says, the homeless man began to weep. And after a few minutes of silence, Fred asked why he was so emotional. And the homeless man responded, you just don't know, man. I haven't heard those words in a long time. When you're homeless and alone, it's easy to believe that no one cares. Not even God. And I hear Fred's story and I think of when Jesus tells them to go heal the sick and raise the dead and cure the leper. And when he tells them to go drive out demons. Well, I can't do any of those things. This homeless man reminds me of that text because if you're sick, sometimes when you're sick, you feel all alone. When you're a leper, no one wants to touch you. 
And we know from biblical stories that those who are possessed by demons, they for sure feel alone because everybody wants to get away and they end up going living in caves by themselves. And if you're dead, it's not the only thing we can say about death, but one thing we could say is that death feels pretty alone. And I'm wondering if just going and walking alongside people who are alone in their sickness, who are alone in their death, who are alone in their leprosy, who are alone in being possessed by whatever possesses them, that maybe like that homeless man, you say, man, you don't get it. I haven't heard those words, I care about you in a long time. And I've come to believe that no one cares, not even God. Our text ends where it begins, where it began today for us. Jesus says, freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. The disciples calling their status as apostles, as ones who were sent, that was a gift to them. Not bought, not earned, it was a gift. And Jesus says it must be exercised in the same spirit. And he ends with this freely, freely you have received. In other words, it is a testimony to us that freely, freely you have been called. And because you have been called, freely, freely give. Go. Because if you're called, you are sent. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And to proclaim his reign in the world, and then maybe just in small ways, to demonstrate it. By walking with people who are harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Let's stand and sing this together. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe, Others will know that I live.